0: A few weeks ago, we talked about this being the most wonderful time of the year. And last Lord's Day, we talked about why Jesus left heaven and why He came to earth. It was love. It was the love of God, the love of Jesus, that motivated divinity to invade earth. And yet, when Jesus left heaven and came to earth, What was His purpose? What was His mission? What was the life work of Jesus in coming to this earth? There are a lot of people that point to Luke 19, verse 10, where it says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And they say, well, that was the mission of Jesus. But folks, there's more to the mission of Jesus Christ then you find in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. To fully understand the purpose and the mission of Jesus coming to this earth, you need to turn to the gospel account recorded by Luke and in Luke chapter 4. Because what you have in Luke chapter 4 is you have an account of the first sermon Jesus ever preached. And not only was it the first sermon he ever preached, it was the first sermon he preached to his home congregation. It was in Nazareth, his home church. And it was the Sabbath day. And as Jesus' custom was, he went to the synagogue to worship. At this point in his life, Jesus had already made a tour in his public ministry. But he had never yet preached in his home church. He had done all of his preaching away from his own community. And so the fact that Jesus had preached other places, but had never preached at home, this had provoked a great deal of wonder, a great deal of curious inquiry among the people among whom he grew up. So the day has come that Jesus has returned from that preaching tour. And He's come back to His home church, in His home village. The place where He'd grown up. The place where He had worshipped with His companions through the years. Well, on this particular Sabbath, as Jesus is there in the synagogue, the leader of the synagogue handed Jesus the book of the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus stood, and He read, and He read a very familiar passage. I'm going to be picking up in verse 16 of Luke chapter 4. He came to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when He opened the book, He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon Me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. Now listen to it. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. That's a very familiar quote that Jesus read. It's found in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And after he read it, you notice he closed the book and sat down. You see, that was the custom of the teachers of that day and time. They stood when they read from the law, and then they sat down when they taught. And Jesus closed the book, handed it back to the leader of the synagogue. He sat down, and He looked around at the people that were gathered there that day. And He said, this day, is this Scripture fulfilled in your ears? Can you imagine the look of shock and surprise on their faces when Jesus said that? Now remember, this is his first sermon to his hometown people. I said a while ago it was his first sermon. I misspoke. It wasn't his first sermon. He'd been doing some preaching. But this is his first sermon at home. And understand something. That first sermon is an important event for any preacher. And especially that first sermon to his hometown people. Now, I want you to look at the crowd that day in the synagogue. I want you to see. There's there's Mary sitting over there. Oh, she's just as proud as she can be. She's about to bust all her buttons. Her eyes are glowing. She's smiling so big because her boy is preaching in the synagogue that day. And her heart's just beating rapidly as she's listening with a heart filled with pride. And then in the audience are the men and the women, that many of whom Jesus had played with as a child growing up in the home of Joseph and Mary there in Nazareth. And I have no doubt they had spread the word that He's going to be there. And the synagogue was crowded that day. And there were some that heard Him with Profound kindness and compassion. And there were others there that listened to him contemptuously. And there were some that probably heard him and they were had hearts that were filled with jealousy. But like I said, every preacher, every preacher remembers that first sermon. I was so grateful I had a pulpit in front of me because people couldn't see my knees knocking together. And you finish... And you've got enough material that you think you're going to preach about 45 minutes and in 10 to 12 minutes you're done. And you've said everything you know to say. And you don't know how in the name of common sense you ever even got through with it. And then every preacher remembers the first time he started doing preaching on a regular basis at some particular congregation where he was preaching to the same people week in and week out. I remember at the... Ripe old age of 16, I was regularly pre. I was a junior in high school, and I was preaching every Sunday in Karnak, Texas. I would drive to Karnak on, from Marshall on Sunday morning, I'd teach Bible class. I'd preach Sunday morning. I'd preach again Sunday night. And they were paying me the princely sum of $25 a week to do that. I want to tell you something. Some of the finest, kindest, most generous, salt of the earth people that you'd ever find worshiped in that little church. They encouraged me. They were lavish in their praise, 99% of which was certainly not justified. And they were kind. And had they not been so kind, and had they not been so generous in their praise, and had they not offered so much encouragement to a boy preacher, I might not be standing right where I am today. So can you can either thank them or loathe them, depending on your point of view. But as I said, they, they paid me the princely sum, Leon, of $25 a week to teach teach a Bible class and preach two sermons. I've still got in my office some of those old outlines, folks. And I've looked at those old outlines. I should have been paying those people $50 a week to listen to me. But every young preacher remembers his first preaching. That first sermon, though, to the hometown crowd, to the home folk, that's a great occasion in the life of any preacher. And it was for Jesus. Now, do you remember that passage we read from Isaiah? That passage that Jesus read from Isaiah states very clearly the mission of Jesus to men and women. He stated the first requisite for any preacher of God. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But then beyond the Spirit of the Lord being on him, there are some thoughts in that passage that emphasize the mission of Jesus. He was anointed, he said, to preach the gospel to the poor. And that deserves to come first. Jesus said, I came. I left heaven and I came to earth to preach the gospel. He came to announce the good news. Isaiah puts it, the glad tidings. And what was that good news? What was the glad tidings that Jesus came to preach? It was the gospel of salvation. The gospel of salvation by grace through faith. You see, before Jesus came, before Jesus came, men and women were burdened with trying to keep the law. And there was no way on the top side of God's green earth that any man or woman could keep the law the way that the scribes, the Pharisees, and those people had gotten the law so burdensome. The law, of course, prohibited working on the Sabbath. They had made the law so burdensome, just as an example. You could not walk through a field of ripened grain on the Sabbath day. Because if you walk through a field of ripened grain on the Sabbath day, you might brush up against some of the ripened grain. You might therefore separate the wheat from the chaff, and you would be threshing, you would be working on the Sabbath day. That's just how intense they had become with their minute rules and regulations as far as keeping the Sabbath day. Jesus came to take that out of the way. And Jesus came with pardon for every sinner that would obediently submit to His will. And the first thing to take note of in Christianity is a reliance on God. You see, Jesus came with divine help. Jesus came with divine mercy. Jesus came with divine salvation. He came to a world that was beaten. A world that was broken. A world that was tossed and shattered. And in an hour like that, to a beaten and broken and shattered world, Jesus came and said, my task is to preach the gospel to the poor. Now don't get the idea that he's talking there that the gospel is only for those that are poor in pocket. He's talking about those poor in pocket, but he's talking about those poor in purse too, or poor in spirit too. I came to preach the gospel to all men. Rich and poor, great and small, I came to preach the gospel to those that need the salvation of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It was meant to meet the needs of all men and all women everywhere for all time. And you know what the Bible says about Jesus? That when Jesus was preaching... The common people. That's people like me. When Jesus was preaching, the common people heard Him gladly. But if you read the New Testament, you also see that there were those of power. There were those of wealth. There were those of position who also were coming to Jesus Christ. We cannot stress too often. Jesus came to bring the gospel, the glad tidings of salvation by grace through faith. And He came to bring it for all classes and all conditions of people for all time. And He came also, He says, I came to preach the gospel. He said, I came to heal the broken hearted. Do you realize what that says? What an undertaking that is. Everywhere we turn today, there are people that are broken hearted. Mike mentioned in his prayer a moment ago about those in Kentucky in the middle part of our country that have been ravaged by tornadoes over the past 24 to 36 hours. Imagine the broken hearts that exist right now in that part of the country. Those who've lost loved ones. Those who've lost material possessions. Those who, because of the loss of whatever it is they don't have anymore, have lost hope. How broken and downtrodden those people are. We come in contact every day, beloved, with those that are broken hearted. And sometimes we don't even realize their condition. Because there are some people that, no matter how bad their hearts are breaking, can put a smile on their face and pretend that life is still all right and there's no problems. But at this very moment, right here, right now, I would venture to say there are some sitting here right now with a broken heart. Because it's like the book that Ruth Graham wrote In every pew, it's a broken heart. And Jesus Christ came to heal those broken hearts. Hearts that are broken perhaps by, because people feel like they've failed miserably at life. And yet how many people are there right now who by human standards may have failed? yet, by God's standards, they're victorious. You see, people are brokenhearted for many reasons. There are people that are sometimes bereaved and brokenhearted because their plans have failed. Because nothing seemed to turn out the way they had planned it. Every broken home on the footstool of God today I don't know of anybody that ever walked down the aisle, stood before a preacher and said their wedding vows, that walked out that morning and said, I'm going to see if I can make a mess of this marriage. I don't know of anybody that ever did that, but it happens. And hearts are broken because of it. All around us are people that have come short of their goal. People that go about with furrowed brows because of the experiences of life, the deep waters of life they might have passed through. There are those that are broken hearted because of the loss of those that they loved. And maybe that's the deepest grief of all. But no matter the cause of the broken heart, Jesus is able to heal each broken heart that He comes in contact with. I think about some of the people Jesus came in contact with. I think about John chapter 8, where Jesus is sitting there that morning to teach. And the Pharisees, I can see them in their long robes and their long beards, and they drag this young woman up and throw her down at Jesus' feet. Her clothing's torn, her face is dirty with the grime of the streets, and there's places where the tears on her face have washed away the grime. And as they roughly throw this sobbing woman in front of Jesus, they said, Master, we caught this woman in adultery in the very act. The law says she should be stoned. What do you say? And there they stand around her. She's at Jesus' feet and they're standing around her. They've got stones in hand. They're ready. They're ready. Jesus knelt down and He wrote on the ground. The only time we have a record of Jesus writing anything, I have no idea what He wrote i speculated from time to time. I'm wondering if Jesus knelt down in front of each one of those men. And being able to look into their heart and see what was inside of them, knelt down in front of one and wrote, slanderer. And in front of another one he wrote, extortioner. But he was able to see into their hearts. And then Jesus looked at them. And he said, let the one among you that's without sin cast the first stone. And one by one you hear the thud as they dropped those stones to the pavement. And they left from the oldest to the youngest. And none of them were there. Nobody's left there except Jesus and that woman. And Jesus looked at her. And He said, Woman, where are your accusers? Does no man condemn you? She said, No man, Lord. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. Sin no more. Jesus healed her broken heart that morning when they brought her to Him. There was the woman at Jacob's well. Jesus was telling her about living water. This woman came to the well at midnight. Now, going to the well for water in that day and time was a social event. And all the women of the town would go in the mornings or in the late afternoons so they could socialize. And it was also cool. This woman went in the heat of the midday so she wouldn't have to face anybody. You see... When Jesus told her about living water, and she said, I perceive you're a prophet, He said, go tell your husband. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're speaking the truth. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. But Jesus told her about living water. And He told her that living water was for her. She forgot all about her mission to get water and she ran into town to tell people she'd met the master, she'd met the savior, she'd met Jesus. Her heart was broken that day. I have an idea that she never intended to make a mess and a failure of five marriages. But Jesus healed her broken heart and gave her hope. There was Mary and Martha at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus healed their broken hearts when He brought Lazarus forth from the dead. There were those who Jesus came in contact with. He healed the sick. He made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. He raised the dead. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. No matter the cause, Jesus is able to heal every broken heart. Whatever your sorrow, whatever your deep consuming grief might be, whatever your burden, whatever the pressure in your life is, Jesus Christ came to bring healing. Remember what He said in Matthew 11, verse 28, with that great invitation? He said, come unto Me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Everyone that's labored, everyone that's conscious of being heavily laden, Jesus says, come, I'll give you rest. Those broken hearted people came to Jesus. And He healed them. He came for another reason. He came to bring deliverance and preach deliverance to the captives. Jesus came to set at liberty those that are bruised. Sin... Is slavery. And Jesus came to give us liberty and freedom. The scriptures tell us that whoever serves sin, or whoever lives in sin, or whoever follows sin, is the servant of sin. The worst master that ever lived was Satan himself. He's the father of all evil. And Jesus said, I came to break those shackles. I came to recover the servant of sin and Satan from his bondage and fearful serfdom. Jesus said, I came to set men and women free. I came, He said, to recover the sight of the blind. Sin is darkness. It's blindness. And Jesus came to give vision to eyes that are blinded by sin. Sin blinds us. To be sure. Because it provides a momentary gratification, a momentary pleasure. The Hebrew writer tells us of Moses in Moses chapter 11, or in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God that enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Moses didn't want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season because he could see the reward out yonder that God was offering for him. There has never been a sin that paid a dividend From the very first one committed in Eden to the one that was committed five seconds ago. Sin is a cheat. It's a delusion, a pretender, and a deceiver. And it blinds us. And it utterly destroys our vision. But when we come to Jesus Christ, when we yield our stubborn will to the will of Jesus when we comply with His terms of pardon, then we see sin for what it really is. When we make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Master of our lives, when He controls our lives, then one day we can come to the end of our journey and we can say with Paul as he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, For the which cause I suffer these things, I'm not ashamed. Why, Paul? I know. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Jesus came to preach the gospel. He came to heal the brokenhearted and to deliver me and you from the bondage of sin. Now here's the question. Have you ever given your heart to Jesus? Have you ever made Jesus the Lord and Master of your life? so simple to do it. You do it by believing in Him with all your heart, turning your back on sin through repentance, confessing His name, and being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. And that makes you a Christian. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Makes you a Christian. And Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of your life. I don't know what's going on in your life this morning. I don't know what your needs might be. But if there's something you need that we can help you with, this is your opportunity to come and let us know about that as together we stand and what we sing.